Welcome to session 25 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 25th of January. Today we'll be looking at Exodus 25 to 27 and Psalm 25. But so far in Exodus, we followed Israel's journey from slavery to in Egypt to meeting God at Sinai. The Israelites, while initially welcomed in Egypt, find themselves oppressed. Raised in Pharaoh's palace, Moses ends up killing an Egyptian and being forced into exile. It's there he encountered God through a burning bush and was sent back to Egypt to rescue God's people. We read how Moses and his brother Aaron confronted Pharaoh, how a series of plagues unfolded, and each targeted a different Egyptian deity, culminating in the Passover. Here, the firstborn Egyptian son was killed, while the Israelites are spared. This event led to the Israelites leaving Egypt, followed by the miraculous parting of the Red Sea and the subsequent drowning of Pharaoh's army. Upon reaching Sinai, God then presented the Sinai covenant and the Ten Commandments to the people. The law focused on restorative justice, honesty, and care for the marginalized. There's no jail time, instead wrongdoers make amends for what they've done. The law also emphasized the importance of Sabbath and festivals, setting healthy rhythms for the community. God finally reaffirms commitment to lead and protect the Israelites, and they pledge to follow his laws. The covenant was sealed with a meal in God's presence, a sign of the intimate relationship God seeks with his people. For now. So let's jump in with Exodus 25 to 27. We finally reach one of those passages, not including the odd genealogy, where if we're honest, we're tempted just to skim read through. Almost seven chapters of building instructions. This may seem incredibly dry, but this is a significant moment. God is creating a way for his presence to live with his people. Something that's been lost ever since Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. The solution was a tent that housed God's presence and could move with the Israelites as they moved. This section is divided into seven smaller sections, each one starting with the Lord spoke or said to Moses. The number seven, as we know, is an important number as it symbolizes wholeness. The first thing that God calls for is an offering. This is something he wants everyone to be part of. Everyone is to contribute to the building of this tabernacle because he wants them to take ownership of it. This is their tabernacle that they are helping to build. For many of us, we believe in similar things in the church today. We encourage people to give a portion of their earnings into what the church does, not as a tax or a membership fee, as a sense of ownership. When you give, you give with a sense of, I'm helping support everything that my church does. The point of collecting these resources was to build the sanctuary which will be a sacred place. The world has been contaminated by people's sin, both in their bad actions, but also the selfishness and wickedness in their own hearts. If God is gonna be among them, he needs a clean place, a holy place, that is not contaminated by people's sin. This is why the instructions are so important and the resources are so expensive. This place needs to be perfect. The first thing they're to make is an ark. Basically a box that's going to hold all the important things that God's given them. The first of which is going to be the two tablets with the Ten Commandments on them. Notice that it's to be made with golden rings attached to the wooden poles. This is so the wooden poles can be slid through the golden rings and that people can lift up poles carrying the ark without ever touching it. This was to stop human sin from ever contaminating the ark. This ark would serve as the centre of God's presence. And so on the top are two cherubims. Cherubim were the spiritual guardians of God's presence. We read about one back in Genesis 3 verse 24 that guarded the Garden of Eden from the fallen Adam and Eve. 
These beings have wings and are various mashups of human and animal features. Read Ezekiel 10. Just like in Ezekiel here, the cherubim are to carry the place where God would sit. And there's also a table made that would hold sacred loaves that would be made fresh each week and then a lampstand to produce light. Each of these items will be used in the inner part of the sanctuary. We then get the design for the tabernacle. This is the tent that would make up the sanctuary. This will cherubim are to be woven into the fabric. After that comes designs for the bronze altar where sacrifices to God would be made and the recipe for the oil that would be burnt in the tabernacle. Much like the ark, most of the pieces of furniture had built-in little rims so they could be carried on poles and not be touched directly, maintaining their purity. And so let's look at Psalm 25. This psalm fits into the category of lament psalm. Biblical lament is whenever a person takes their pains, hurts and frustrations before God. It tends to include four steps. Turning to God, bringing the complaint before God, making a request of God and then declaring trust in God. This psalm is attributed to King David and has some interesting things of note about its structure. The first is that it is an acrostic. Each verse starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The second is that it is a chiasm where the passage reflects itself. Though it's not immediately clear just to how long this psalm is. Here is a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see the structure properly for yourself. So we start with verse one, God is my hope. Then verse two, protect me from shame. Verse three, shame the treacherous. Verses four and the first half of verse five, be my salvation. The second first half of verse five will be I wait. Verse six is remember your mercy. Verse seven, forget my sins. Verses eight to nine, instruct the meek. And then we come to the center. Verses 10 to 12, be faithful and forgive me, Lord. Then we have verses 12 to 13, instruct the God-fearing. Verses 14 to 15, God's friendship keeps me from sin. The first half of verse 16, be gracious to me. The second half of verse 16, I will wait. Verses 17 to 18, be my salvation. Verse 19, take note of the violent. Verse 20, protect me from shame. And finally, verses 21 to 22, God is my hope. The various steps here are woven throughout the psalm, rather than having each a section of its own. The psalmist opens by turning to God and declaring their trust in him. They ask that he protect them from shame and from their enemies. They then focus inward and ask God to lead them and teach them, forgiving their sins. In this, they recognise their own failings and shortcomings. They appeal to God's faithfulness and love. This combination of God's faithfulness and love, leading him to lead the psalmist and forgive their sin, makes up a good section of the psalm, verses 4 to 15. Next up is a clearer focus on the struggles the psalmist is facing. They feel lonely and troubled. It's verses 16 to 18. They have many enemies who seek them harm. Verse 19. Having laid out their complaint, the psalmist ends with one more request for protection and a declaration of trust that God will intervene. As with all the men's psalms, Psalm 25 shows us how to work through our pains, bringing them honestly before God, while also holding on to him and trusting in him.